Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, October 5th. We begin with the latest in the ongoing Hockey Canada controversy. We speak with sports economist Mo Lander for details on this week's parliamentary investigation of the organization and what may come next. According to the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health, more than 500,000 Canadians miss work due to mental illness every week. How can we better support the mental health of employees? We talk about it with Harriet Exparagin, Vice President of Mental Health at Green Shield Holdings. How important are workplace perks and are they effective in retaining talent? We discuss what work perks actually work with author and personal finance educator Kelly Keane. And finally, the leaves are falling, so now what do we do with them? We get a fall garden and lawn to-do list from Kat Smythe, horticulturalist with the Calgary Horticultural Society. Hockey Canada faced questions from members of Parliament yesterday regarding the use of membership fees to finance a slush fund for sexual assault cases. Joining us to help follow the money is Moshe Lander, Senior Lecturer in Economics at Concordia University in Montreal and Canada's preeminent sports economist. He's also the host of the Moshe Lander Show, launching October 14th on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning to you, a very busy Moshe Lander. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Okay, let's let's follow the money. We're now hearing potentially about a second fund that was used to pay out sexual assault cases. Who's accountable for this mess? Because the board is refusing to resign. Well, it's going to ultimately be the board that's going to be held responsible. The, the public pressure is going to be too great. And in fact, uh, this morning, uh, we woke up to the news that uh, Quebec is now refusing to transfer its share of funds to Hockey Canada I can imagine that other provinces are going to follow soon. At some point, it just becomes an untenable position for uh, the Hockey Canada executives to remain in their position. And they're going to have to resign. I think what happens now is you start arranging for who's going to succeed them. And once that's kind of decided behind the scenes, then you see the big push of everybody out. Big picture, Moshe. You know, the hockey fees, is this something that has never really been looked at, questioned, or even considered where these funds have been going? Is that another part of the issue? Is it lack of transparency in this organization? It is. Um, if, if you take a look at the way that those uh, slush funds were created, of course, it's not listed uh, as an account item called slush fund, right? So they gave it these uh, very... Um, Fluffy sort of names that uh, that nobody would really question what it is, but it sounds you know like future of tomorrow uh, fund, right? And so people would just naturally accept that. Okay, well whatever's there uh, is there. Hockey Canada has even gone so far as to say that uh, these funds existed for the purpose of paying future injury claims. Uh, and so even there, they're playing very fast and loose with the idea that sexual assault is some sort of injury claim that might come out years later. Uh, but again, nobody's going to look too closely at what that means. People understand that hockey is inherently a dangerous sport and injuries can happen. And so it would just make sense that, sure, of course, you're going to have a fund there uh, until it actually turns out what the fund is really for. The feds have frozen Hockey Canada's funding. It, I mean, that may change in the future, depending on what the outcome of all of this is. But does I mean, is Hockey Canada irreparably harmed by this? No. Um, and so I, I think that the cynical part of me says that this particular scandal is not new. Um, we're seeing that already there's two different scandals within the last 20 years that are being caught up in this particular round of uh, teeth gnashing. But I don't need to say to anybody uh, who's a Flames fan the name, say, Theron Fleury. Uh, and, of course, we're going to see that these types of scandals go back decades and decades uh, and these are just the ones that we know about, right? How many of these scandals were effectively covered up through these funds? 
so the, the fact is that I, I don't want to say that this is just a cost of doing business with Hockey Canada. It's far from it. But this stuff seems to be happening a lot. And the fact is we keep racing back to Hockey Canada, right? As soon as Boxing Day comes and the World Juniors are on in Halifax, mm. uh, how quickly are we going to forget that, wait a second, this is a, an organization that's repeatedly embroiled in public scandal, uh, and we're constantly willing to forgive it and look the other way. Interesting conversation, super timely. Again, with that news coming down this morning, Moshe, thank you so much. Anytime. That is Moshe Lander, economics professor from Concordia University and Canada's preeminent sports economist. According to the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, more than half a million Canadians miss work every week due to mental illness. Are companies doing enough to support the mental health of employees? Joining us to discuss is Harriet Elpert. Oh, Harriet, I almost had it. Harriet Experigen, who is the Vice President of Mental Health at Green Shield Holdings. Good morning to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Appreciate your time. Do companies have the supports in place, do you think, to support employees who have mental health issues? Is is there enough out there? You know, there are some companies that are um, a lot more than they were pre-pandemic, but there's still a lot to be done. You know, we've seen that companies are um, putting more money towards mental health services, but I think it, it needs more than that, right? It's it's a culture change. Uh, we need to ensure that organization-wide that there's a mental health strategy with outcomes and, and, and accountability. And this includes training for managers and peer support for colleagues so that they can recognize when their friends and colleagues are struggling with mental illness. Um, so, yeah, I think there's still a lot to be done, but... Uh, we, we are seeing that companies are, are doing better, but there's still so much more to be done. And this week is, is so pivotal in helping us to raise that awareness um, for mental illness. The awareness about mental illness, it, you know, perhaps it would have been different even a few years ago, Harriet, in that we had this uh, pandemic thing going on for the past few years. And then people uh, went back to the office. And I know that it's been over the past year, people have been kind of funneling back in. So let's talk about that impact the pandemic and how that has changed things when it comes to mental health in the workplace. And, you know, Brian, um, prior to the pandemic, we were seeing that uh, one in four, one in five people were struggling with mental illness. And since the pandemic, this has doubled in some cases. We don't know what the true number is, but we know that, you know, of the 500,000 Canadians who miss work due to mental illness, um, 77% report that they do not feel comfortable discussing their mental health concerns with their employer. And that's a concern, right? And and we know that this is just the number of people that feel comfortable coming forward to say, I don't feel that way. When we look at the underlying number and the unspoken number, we know that it could be as close as 80 85%. So that's a really alarming number and that we really need to, to pay attention to and employers need to pay attention to. Harriet, you mentioned it. It's a special week. It is Mental Illness Awareness Week. It is something that we need to continue talking about. Uh, it's you know gotten worse, or at least it seems to be more in the forefront since the pandemic began. So you know, there's still stigma around it for sure, whether it's at the workplace or just in general. But at work, what companies, what can companies do to kind of help end that stigma? Is it just more you know continuous talking? What more can they do? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I think that companies need to start to put action in place. And I spoke earlier about creating a mental health strategy, and those strategies need to have some outcomes and accountability. Um, at Green Shield, we recognize the importance of creating 
a conversation around mental health and breaking the barriers in the workplace. And that's one thing that we've been doing. We've been taking stock of where our, our employers are at um, by conducting a mental health survey across the uh, organisation. And then once we have those results, what do we do about them? So putting in place mental health strategy with outcomes, ensuring that managers have mental health training and mental illness training so that they can support their employers when their employees when they are struggling and also for colleagues so that they can support their uh, peers when they're struggling. So mental health training for managers and peer support training is really vital in this time. Um, also provide an accessible benefits package, not just your traditional EAP, but support that really is looking at mental health services because and truly those traditional three-session EAPs just don't cut it anymore and employers need to make sure that they're, they're getting the right mental health support in terms of EAP or, or additional mental health uh, uh, support for their employers. Um, and also, you know, the return to work policies. A lot of people are struggling. Some people do want to go back to work because they've been at home for so long and, and that's very isolating and that can impact negatively on our mental mental health. But I think, you know, in terms of return to work, making sure that it's, it's done in a way that suits your employers uh, employees and you're not uh, you're not forcing people to go in and when they're not happy to and that you're not isolating people continue continuing to isolating people that by putting in place policies that doesn't suit everybody so i think it's really important that employers look at these three things in terms of training in terms of providing benefits and also the return to work processes interesting topic thanks for your time harriet we appreciate it thank you so much for having me have a good day thank you that is Harriet X. Perringen, uh, Vice President of Mental Health at Green Shield Holdings. You can find out more about what she does and her organization at greenshield.ca. And a little later, this is a thread uh, on our program. Mm-hmm. A little later in the uh, program, we're going to be speaking with Kelly Keene. And to Kelly, we talked to her a lot. She knows a lot when it comes to business. She knows a lot when it comes to personal finance and, and, and uh, you know, your money and the direction you want that money to go, which is generally up. She's a finance educator. But she's going to be talking about in the workplace. This is not exactly attached to mental health, but to a certain extent it could be. What does it take to retain talent as an employer in 2022? We know how competitive it is. We know people have been reticent mm-hmm. to go back. It may have kind of had a, a shift in their minds as far as what they want from their career. Uh, or maybe they think they might be in for a change. So you gotta you got to kind of sweeten the deal to a certain extent. I know here it's been wheelbarrows of cash coming in. Well, heck yeah. And trips. Yes. And new cars. You got yeah. your car? We wish. No, no, none of the above, right? And that's the problem, I think, too, through the pandemic. So many businesses, so many companies are struggling. Yeah. So there aren't the extras and the perks to, you know, kind of keep people and, and lure them in and then keep them in whatever business they, that might be. So are there other ways to do it? It's, you know, I think we have to ask employees in order to get the right answer for that. I mean, yeah. Kelly has some answers moving forward too, but which which work perks work? Well, you know, it's no different than being in a relationship. You know, if you're in a relationship and your you honey... You a perk to stay well, in your house Your honey doesn't, doesn't care for flowers and you keep bringing flowers, you're not going to maybe get the intended result. You know what I'm Very saying? Very good point. But I, I think that, yeah, it's beyond... Now, for the first time in, in my work life, and I mean, industries are different. Broadcast industry, by the way, it's, it's different than a lot. But... The, the employee is in the driver's seat for, for most industries now. And yet you think, okay, it, maybe it's not just money. Maybe it's, you know, you have somebody in your office who has in the past requested a job share because they want to work, but they have small children or just had a baby. 
and you said, well, we don't do that job share thing here. Maybe you have to look at splitting things up now. Yeah, I changing mean, that, things up. That work-life balance uh, concept, which didn't really exist for so long. We used the term a lot, though. So. We did, but no, but it didn't really exist. No. But let's face it, it does now. And employees, no matter their age, I think, are not willing to put in, you know, their, their entire life into their job anymore. Like, I think our older generation was maybe a little more so ours but beyond that i don't think so anymore and i'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing i'm just saying it is a thing it has changed yeah well and you think even things like maybe it's having a daycare on site in your building mm-hmm. maybe you think it's having a gym or saying okay every second friday will be a cash or will be your chance to work from home or a half day yeah there's going to have to be more give from the employers because you look at the cost of retraining and it's if you've so got true. somebody who knows their job how valuable is it if it's going to take another year to bring somebody up to speed on where that person is? Mm-hmm. Interesting times. Do work perks work? And how can they be used not only to attract talent, but also to retain talent? Joining us to talk about it is Kelly Keene, personal finance educator and best-selling author of Talk Money to Me. Good morning to you, Kelly. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Sue and Andy, always a pleasure to be back. That it is. Thank you so much. You know, inflation at 7%, employees saying, show me the money, companies saying, we don't have any to give. How do employers then look to attract the best talent out there? Yeah, it's super tough, isn't it? And And a recent survey actually suggests that Canadian workers are actually expecting the biggest pay raise in decades. I mean, it's so expensive to get back into the office to afford just you know what what you could probably not even afford during the pandemic and it's estimated that that raise is going to be around 4.2 percent but as you said sue with inflation at seven percent i mean that doesn't really cut it so you know all of these perks help but canadians are dealing with you know uh higher costs than ever um so figuring out if you can bump up that salary is tough for companies, but then you also as an individual have to figure out, does that put you into a different tax bracket? Are you just going to spend more? Uh, A lot of considerations there for sure. But it's interesting when you say, you know, that on mass, Canadian workers going to be looking for that increase. I, I mentioned earlier when we mentioned you were coming on, Kelly, that perhaps in my opinion, this is the greatest well indication ever, like greatest time ever that employees have been in the driver's seat you know, with when it comes to the workforce. Yeah, absolutely, Andy. So, you know, it's not just about money. It's about work-life balance. It's about that flexibility. And that's what I'm really hearing. Like I've been talking in the media a lot about the quiet quitting trend, as I'm sure you've been talking about as well. And, you know, what fits for, for you as an individual and then employers, I'm doing an entire live free panel on this discussion on on October 19th of like, what is it that employees want? And I'm hearing it talking to people like they don't want to go back five days a week. They don't even want to come into the office three days a week, especially if they're coming in to do Zoom meetings all by themselves. So it's a real dance between employers and employees. And then you know, a survey in the U.S., and I'm sure it's similar in Canada, that uh, a third of employees aren't taking their vacation time. Um, so, you know, what kind of culture as an employer are you are you fostering for your employees if maybe they can't afford to travel, but they're not being encouraged to take their vacation at all? So it's uh, it's a complex time going back to the office this fall. 
Kelly, you talk about financial benefits that people sometimes don't even realize they have access to. Can you talk about those a bit? Absolutely. I love free money. Me too. Who doesn't? Here's one. Um, There's actually two I want you to be aware of. It's estimated that three to four billion dollars is being left on the table every single year by employees not taking advantage of their employer uh, matching program. So if that's you, if you're traditionally employed, call up your HR, see what matching programs exist and do everything possible to find the money to get into them. Now, how do you find the money to get into them? Here's another one that's on my radar this uh, from this fall. Um, Canada is the only country in the world that you can go back 10 years on your tax returns. Now, corporations have been doing this forever, but it's costly for individuals to hire an accountant to see if you missed benefits or credits or the tax laws have changed. There's a company called Family Tax Recovery. They use uh, smart technology and AI to comb through your past tax returns. And on average, they get you know $2,000 for people and they don't charge anything unless you get a refund. So um, you know there's free money out there, but when we're financially stressed, our, our, our focus is so narrowed. So I love always being on your show to, to give uh, your listeners some tips of, of how to widen that gaze. Besides the, the money going into the bank account and everybody like that increase, and besides the, the free money and, and those type of benefits, what are some non-salary ways that employers can, can keep their staff happy and, and retain them? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it might be a rewards program. It might be just being acknowledged. It might be a, 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 a title, you know. I, I've been talking to a couple of people that they negotiated a better title with their employer and that meant the world to them and it might have been something that didn't even exist. So, you know, it probably isn't the corner office because uh, people don't want to be in their in their uh, workplaces as much anymore. But it's I think it comes down to it's very individual right now. If you're talking to Gen Z, millennials or baby boomers, really understanding what's on their hearts and minds, what means the most to them, and, and being more flexible as an employer to meet those those needs and demands, but also as an individual, realizing that if we're working from home, I'm hearing a lot of employers saying too, well, I can hire anyone in the world that works from home. Mm. So can you be replaced because of the work at home trend? So very complex for everyone. Oh, that is an excellent point for sure. Okay, so you're going to be talking about these issues and a whole lot more. You mentioned that the free panel that you're taking part in. Can you give us a little info on that? Are people able to join from anywhere? Yeah, thanks, Sue. Yeah, you can join from anywhere. Um, we've got it up on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. You can go to kellykeen.com slash worried workforce. It's free. It's an hour. It's at um, 10 o'clock Mountain Time on the 19th, and we're discussing everything of, yeah, like how to entice your, um, you know, employees, how to retain them. And then as employees, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, value there too. Good stuff. Thanks so much, Kelly. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thanks for being with you. That's great. That's Kelly Keene. And, of course, Kelly, personal finance educator and best-selling author of Talk Money to Me. That's the creative title there, Sue. Mm-hmm. You can find out more about what she does and more on the seminar at kellykeen.com. And that's Kelly with an E-Y, K-E-E-H-N.com. The lawn is covered with leaves. What do we do with them now? And what do we do to prep for the weather ahead? With tips and insight to get your garden and your lawn ready for fall and beyond, we're joined this morning by Kath Smythe, horticulturalist with the Calgary Horticultural Society. Hi, Kath. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi. 
How short do we cut our lawns for winter? That seems to be the question that we always get every year. Well, you don't want to leave, you don't want to cut it so short you're scalping it. You only want to you want to leave about three inches of grass on there, and the reason being is we want to hold moisture in there. We have less likely of winter kill there, and it actually gives a good foundation for next spring. All right, scratching that off my to do list. I'm <laughs> done for the year, Kath. It might even be four inches, but I'm going to do what's best. <laughs> Um, I know, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> you know me well. How about uh, this? This I'm, I'm sure it's not new, but it seems like over the past five years or so, we've heard people come out and say, you know what, don't rake up every single leaf. Are we still raking up every single leaf or are we leaving some? You're saving them. They're gold. Garden gold. Okay. And now that the city hasn't got the big leaf bins anywhere, I'm having a hard time finding enough. I, I rake mine very gently off the lawn and into my flower beds. I spread them on top of my vegetable garden. I spread them all through my perennial beds. And best of all, I make sure that it's packed really good around my vegetable garden because I plant garlic. And if you do a nice layer, big thick layer of leaves over your garlic, it does way better next Mm. year. Okay. And what about spring bulbs? I mean, is that, when do we get ready for what's going to happen next year? (laughs) As as we haven't even gotten into winter yet, but we're, we're looking for, for forward for sure. Well, there's still quite a few spring flowering bulbs available in the garden centers. And actually, it's better to plant them when the weather's cooler because that way the spring bulb spends its winter, the fall putting down roots and getting going. And I think I'd hate prognosticating the weather. However, <laughs> my big thing is that I think we've probably got at least two to three more weeks of planting of spring flowering Ooh. bulbs for next year. And when you do plant them, make sure you mark them, and then you have to do the great squirrel scam. You have to, they're watching you while you're doing all this. <laughs> so once you've planted where you're going to plant all your bulbs and you want them to grow, you go over to your next door neighbor's yard. No, don't do that. <laughs> oh. Go, um, go somewhere else in your garden and pretend to plant something. Oh. And that's the first place they'll go when you leave the yard. Really? Yes. They, I hate saying this, but they're dumber than a sack of hammers. So they, the last thing they see is the first thing they remember, and that's where they'll go and dig. And they'll dig there all winter. She's knowledgeable and nefarious. Where's Kat? She's doing a midnight run wearing black. I'll tell you, she's, she's a heist. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about the perennials. So what, what we need to know about perennials as we move into the well, season? The perennials are starting to actually take a bit of a beating and they're getting a little yellow or going brown and the cooler nights are setting them down a bit. I prune mine back a little bit. I like to take them down to about four to six inches from the ground. I leave stems and things on there because I want to trap snow and trap the leaves that I'm going to spread on top of them. And anything to keep the moisture. This is a really dry time right now, and we're really dry. Planting and and cutting back is the best thing to do, but make sure you leave some branches on there to hold the leaves and so you can do your snow removal into there. Kath, on that note, should we be watering our lawn right now, kind of give it a last bit of moisture before fall, winter? No, it's gone to bed. It's going brown. It's If you put water on it, it's not going to do. The thing we should be watering are, are big birch trees, 
and any of our big conifers, any of the big spruces, and water them thoroughly. Don't just go out there and put the hose on them for half an hour. You literally go out and put the slow-soaking hose not near the trunk but around the birch tree and soak it right in. This is the best time for them to take up moisture. And the same thing with the spruces. This is when they, the spruces and the pines will take up good moisture into their root and they'll survive much longer. Great tips and super timely. Thanks so much, Kath. You're most welcome. There's Kath Smythe, horticulturalist with the Calgary Horticultural Society. You can find out more about the organization at calhort.org. I love how she talks about the squirrels.